0: Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. How does it impact the Utah Jazz? And what does it mean for the future of how teams are built? We're touching on it next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked on Jazz for the 6th of February. Kyrie Irving has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. It impacts the Jazz greatly because Luka Doncic is involved, and anything involving Luka impacts the Jazz. The myths of what the Mavericks are trying to do, doesn't anyone care that Kyrie's anti-Semitic? Is the super team dead, plus latest rumors and a Trends Monday, all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz how are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider, and this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free, available on all podcasting apps, as well as you can join the community on YouTube, and hang out with other jazz fans, all part of the Locked On Jazz group that you're a part of as well over on YouTube. Subscribe on all those, hit follow, hit the bell, do all those fun things. Today's episode brought to you by PrizePix for so the first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. So Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And in one sense... The Jazz aren't contending for a championship right now. These moves go on, and you can say, well, does it really impact the Jazz? And the answer is yes. It impacts the Jazz on a multitude of manners. And let's walk through them. First is Luka. Anything that goes on with Luka, as we're trying to build a championship team in the next few years, the the piece you're going to have to go through, as long as he's still in the Western Conference, is Luka. He's 23 years old. He's one of the greatest offensive players in the history of the game, if not, you know, he's one of two or three dominant offensive players in this game and he's and they're going to win a lot of games, more than they should they they should win more than they are right now as long as they have Luka. Jokic is 27. He's going to turn 28 here in 10 days. His timeline, he'll still probably be really good at 32, 33 as we try to march our way back up the standings to compete for a championship, but you're catching, and probably at his peak time to win a championship, but you're catching him a little bit on the backside, right? Luka's the piece that if you're a Jazz fan, you're always watching. He, you know, John Morant and Desmond Bain in Memphis, they're the young guns of the next generation. Luka in Dallas, and that's probably it right now. Those are the future stars, we'll see what Oklahoma City really puts together, of the Western Conference. Luka's the guy. So anything that involves Luka is super important to the Jazz. This one, to me, feels pretty desperate. Feels a little panicky. Uh, Maybe going to turn out to be the right move. There's a lot of logic behind it. There are, you know, they need a secondary ball handler. Luka's overwhelmed by the usage. They're the worst offensive team in the league when Luka goes off the court. They're the number one half-court team in the league for the year, which basically means when Luka's on the floor. Um, the four, the other 14 minutes, this this should be really helpful. Um, and it should mean that, you know, Luka doesn't have to bring the ball up the court every single time. But it doesn't feel particularly planned out. I'm not sure that, you know, frankly... Danny Ainge's, some of his greatest moves, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, I'm not sure those were all entirely per se planned out. I think they developed. So maybe, you know, being planned out is overrated. Though, I do, if I were a Maverick fan, there is a phrase that's coming out of Dallas that I'm not the greatest believer in in the world. And that is, our culture is bet basically our culture is better than everyone else's, so therefore we're gonna be okay. And you know they base this that Kyrie respects Jason Kidd, and that Kyrie and Nico Harrison, their general manager, have a relationship. I it's the same way I feel like when you have a wildly inefficient player that's not particularly, you know, been. Inefficient, and you say, "Well, our development system's better than everyone else's. We'll get him to do something different." Boy, I I I get nervous when I hear that from a team. I get nervous when I hear a team say what Dallas says right now. Hey, well, it will it'll be better for us. Well, okay, Brooklyn may or may not have a very good uh culture. We, I'm not sure we know. It's been kind of all over the map, partially because of who they signed. Boston's got a pretty great culture. It didn't work out with Kyrie. Cleveland, you know, time will tell as they rebuild this thing, but it didn't work out with Kyrie. Like Kyrie's been at a bunch of places where it didn't work. And it didn't work because of Kyrie. And it didn't work. I don't feel as though it didn't work because somehow the culture of that team was broken. I feel like Kyrie was the problem and the idea that Dallas believes right now that they're superior to that and not going to have the problem to me that's that this is not a comment on Dallas this is a comment on anytime anyone in the league says this this idea that hey there's a track record of performance from a player and we can change him where we are Woo. Makes me super nervous, or I question it. So when I hear Dallas base this on the fact that we have culture, oh, okay. I don't. That I think is a bad script. To me, this also leads me to wonder whether there was more pressure and more frustration from Luca than even was reported by Tim McMahon. This certainly validates Tim McMahon's report that Luka wanted something done. ESPN reported Tim McMahon. And that, again, from a Jazz standpoint, we'll see. It could work. It's a lot of talent in one place. It's two incredibly skilled offensive players. It's 48 minutes of scoring. It also could break it up. It could bust up Dallas. It could... The end result on a lot of the other teams has been tough. Boston went on to go to the NBA Finals. They survived it. Cleveland has had to kind of rebuild after it. We'll see what it does to Brooklyn. So that's that's the immediate impact on the Jets. Of what goes on in Dallas. I do have just a general question, by the way. Did anybody, Does anybody else find it that Kyrie Irving made... Anti-Semitic comments that were damaging, that did did damage, harm people, pretty extreme. And somebody was willing to trade for him shortly thereafter. Like, I was a little surprised by that. When I heard the trade request, I thought to myself, is someone really going to just go ahead and add Kyrie? Like, is there a limit here of, of what we're willing to do or not to? Guess not. A little surprised for that. There are, there's an immediate impact on the trade deadline on this deal. John Hollinger wrote about it in The Athletic, and it impacts the Jazz a good deal. The latest in trade rumors, and then does this change the way teams build rosters? Which also impacts the Jazz a great deal. Plus a Trends Monday coming up. <clears throat> Monday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. The Chevy lineup of cars, just absolutely outstanding. The trucks, there's nothing like the Silverado and the Colorado. and The the SUV lineup continues to get better and better. The Suburban and Tahoe are stalwarts, you know well. The Trailblazer and the Blazer rounded out the beautiful SUV lineup that starts with the tracks, goes to the Equinox. And the Traverse, to the electric car, the Bolt, that's been getting great reviews as well. There's a lot of great things going on at Murdoch Chevy right now. If, if you're gonna head over, get your new work truck, and head over to get your new Colorado truck, uh, and zip around a little bit. Let us know. Chevy Silverado 1500 is at 2.99% APR for five years, and for current competitive owners, 3,000 total cash allowance. Available so a bunch of super good deals going on at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. Please email me first and let me know that you're going to stop by so we can set up a VIP meeting for you with Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Price Picks, hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars with a promo code locked on. Prize Picks makes your daily fantasy fun and easy. Pick two to five players. Get out there, not against anybody other than the numbers. You're not competing against other people. So it makes it an easier, more fun game for you. You are uh, can play in any sport, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA Tour. The entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's easy with safe and fast and easy withdrawal. So download the PrizePix app. Go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% Instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. You deposit $50. PrizePix give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON to sign up for an instant deposit match for $100. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps. We thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, your second listen today, the 22-minute Recap of all things sports locked on sports today available for you on all podcasting and YouTube as well. Locked on sports today, 22 minute recap of all things in the sports world. So I do think this impacts the trade deadline. John Hollinger wrote about this in the athletic this morning. No one knows what's going on with Durant. I actually think Brooklyn might actually have a better chance to win right now than they ever have. Um, Durant's the dominant offensive player who I want to have have the ball in the key moments of everything. Spencer Dinwiddie compliments him. They've added another good defensive player. If they put out a lineup of Durant, Dinwiddie, Finney-Smith, O'Neal, Claxton, or Simons, Simmons, excuse me, they can switch it one through five. Be pretty tough defensively. They put out a lineup of Steph Curry, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal or Ben Simmons. And they've got an offensive juggernaut lineup that does have two guys in Joe Harris and Steph Curry that you can go after defensively, but is impossible to guard. So I actually think Brooklyn is pretty good. They've got two different lineups here that I think can do a lot of different things. Uh, Secondarily, uh, I mean, the question is if Durant really might opt out. And so Phoenix, who's sitting here playing with Jay Crowder and doing some other deals and one of things, suddenly is going to hold on to every single one of their draft picks. Like, you are going to suddenly have anyone who thinks they might have a chance to get Durant. That they are going to hold on to any of their draft picks right now. Because that's the golden ticket that's out there right now. Even if he is 35. And that sh- could have a chilling effect on the trade market right now. Uh, the Jazz continue to be rumored in every deal imaginable. The Lakers' supposedly most active talks are with the Jazz in Toronto. Jared Vanderbilt's name's getting bounced about in all sorts of places, predominantly Portland. Malik Beasley's name's being bounced about out in all sorts of places, predominantly Cleveland. It's hard on these guys. It's real. It seems, um, you know, it's the reality of their business. It doesn't make it better. They still get paid. um, But it's pretty brutal uh, for them to go through all of this. The other thing that I wonder on this Brooklyn Nets implosion is does this eliminate teams thinking super team is the answer? What Steph Curry and Tim Duncan have taught us is that incredibly unique superstar with great personality and team focus is maybe the answer. What LeBron taught us is that maybe LeBron's the answer. I mean, quite honestly, right? Like the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, super team, Shane Battier, Ray Allen may have just won because they had LeBron. Anthony Davis, LeBron James went in the bubble. But prior to that, you know, your champions are... Steph Curry has got four of them in the last eight years. He's the unique piece. You've maybe nine years. You've got the Raptors in Kawhi. That was not a super team. You've got the Bucks with Giannis. That's a, just a... Maybe he goes in the Steph... We'll see. He may go into the Steph Curry, Tim Duncan category of just unique team leader not super team. And, and maybe that's the answer. Rather than building these super teams that put you in cap strengths that eliminate. And then when one of your super team guys goes awry, Oh dear. So I'll tell you what, um, I think there's a, I don't know. I mean, I think it's so intoxicating to go add three stars anytime you can that we're probably going to continue to have this going on in the league time and time again. It's just too intoxicating. Um, As maybe is the point here with what Dallas has done. Is that Kyrie's talent is just so intoxicating that you ignore the fact that he's basically torpedoed three other franchises, made openly anti-Semitic comments and plays rarely because his talent is that intoxicating. And so maybe just having great players will always bring the desire to have these super teams. But it does feel to me a little bit like what we've just seen. Maybe a statement of, you know, the the super team track record is now bad. Okay? Like, we can now take it and say that the super team track record is not very good. The Lakers won a title in the bubble. Miami won a title. And all the other constructs of super teams have been really very limited and and have been frankly bad so i don't know if it's the death of the super team because i think it's that intoxicating and the death of the super team is probably i don't know actually the the death of the super team was probably good for utah in the sense that we don't we can't build that same super team so we'd like to have the model continue to not work it is not working but we may actually just want people to continue to try to make it work uh, Jazz didn't play this weekend. Our last game out was a loss to Atlanta. that wasn't great. Um, it was one of our more feckless performances of the year. There is a make or miss element of it. The night before, you know, we shot 63% and had one of our best offensive games or 63% effective field goal percent, uh, 53% overall, had one of our best offensive games of the year, had our best offensive game of the year, and then came out and missed a ton of shots and shot under 30% from three for the first time since the Sixers game. when we shot 30% from three and the Cleveland Cavaliers game in January, we had a kind of a five day shooting slump. We've been really, really good for a while. We've gone 59, 41, 40, 48, 36, 36 from three. And then all of a sudden went 29. So there might just be an element that like we missed shots and it made us look feckless. I always get very nervous about that. It did feel as though, and Mike Conley Conley said afterwards, we were flat. Um, the other thing this homestand I think has shown us I mean the jazz have been basically we'll leave here shortly and not allowed to complain uh have basically been home consecutively since January 10th and what I think the homestand has shown us is like we are we've been playing much much better we are just kind of this 500 team like and that's you know pretty great when you consider that um, where we were intended to be and what we thought we were going to be and any hope that we're actually more than a 500 team I think may have been eliminated in the stretch we still just have enough youth enough inexperience enough like lacking in a few areas that it prevents us from kind of running a streak off we're just not walking in you know we've known this right we like chaos our margin of error is pretty thin we're just not a team that's going to walk into the building and thump you. And I think we've seen that, right? You know, you, the loss to Brooklyn, the loss to Portland, the loss to Atlanta, you know, coupled with nice wins in there and kind of hammering a shorthanded Clipper team, hammering a not-very-good Charlotte team, controlling a game against a not-a-shorthanded uh, Dallas team. We'll do the same tonight. Like, we're getting these teams are shorthanded, and we beat them because we're a 500 team or better, and, and we're better than them. And so we win, and then when we're facing, you know, Brooklyn at full strength and Portland at full strength and Atlanta at full strength. We haven't been able to pull it off. Um, and it just kind of, I think it's a really good indicator of kind of we, the goal to go into the season was to look at the team from a holistic picture and be looking toward, you know, a 36 minute, 36 month perspective or 48 month. And that's, a wildly raging success with Lowry marketing and becoming an all-star Walker Kessler becoming viable. Ochai Abaji showing more and more signs of being there. Collins growing up a great deal. Some of our guards have improved. We're seeing all sorts of areas of improvement. Will Hardy can coach like it's a wild success. If you're looking at this game to game, I think it's very clear that like, Hey, we're hovering around 500 for a reason. That's kind of just who we are. We're a 500 caliber team right now. Um, And we just kind of have, you just, understand that like it's not a criticism or it's, it's more of a statement of fact. Um, and when we're considering where the season started, it's pretty great. Uh, but it does mean that kind of if you're on the roller coaster If you're if emotionally attached to game in and game out wins and losses, you're going to be on quite a little roller coaster. as I guess what I'm trying to tell you. All right. We'll look at NBA league trends. Like we do every single Monday and see where, what teams are hot, what teams are not. Um, I did a bunch of late game watches. We'll get into them during the week. The one thing I would say is if you've watched the Clippers, It's got an impact on the trade deadline. I'll share that uh, here in a second. Today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Built Bar, baby. Our good friends over at Built Bar. Which of the Built Bars do I have on my desk today? I just always have a Built Bar sitting on my desk. You never know when the steps to the kitchen pantry are just too much and you need the Built Bar right away. That's what we've got for you here with Built Bar. It's the incredible macros. It's the 130 calories. It's the 17 grams of protein. It's the candy bar that tastes like a... It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's all for you at Built Bar with 100% real chocolate and amazing flavors with incredible macros. You can go to Built.com, like I often do. Use the promo code uh, LOCK15 to see what you get. Or LOCKEDON15, one of the two. Go check it out. Either one, I think, works. If not, try the other. They have now loaded the brownie batter and double chocolate bars and powered them with their protein um, as their latest. They've got a caramel apple and a raspberry cheesecake that are out right now as well. And if you need them right away, the exciting news is that you can go to Sam's Club and grab a 13 box bar of a Hit Flayers brownie batter and churro. And you can go to Walmart and pick up Pharmacy section, you can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Those are all at Built.com or Sam's Club. All right, let's do Trends Monday. We do this every Monday to kind of check up on where the league is. Um, We first check the last two weeks who ranks where. And then after we check the last two weeks, we'll go back and use Cleaning the Glasses and... Excuse me. look at the last 10 games and then we'll go to cleaning the glass and look at the last uh, two weeks and see more immediate trends. So the number one offense in the NBA over the last 10 games is Portland. Number two is the Clippers. This is interesting to me. So the Clippers are the number two offense in the NBA and I've watched a bunch of their late games recently. And if I was in their front office, what I've watched in their late games recently is enough to make me feel like I need to make a move. It just doesn't feel right to me at all. Um, it's so Kawhi-centric. It doesn't have a flow. It needs a point guard. It just doesn't feel right to me. Now, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Some of those losses are when they just didn't play their guys. Um, and so I could be just dead wrong on this. But they don't feel right to me when I watch them. And that's been a pretty good indicator so far this year when you watch teams, whether they are all right. So the top five offenses over the last 10 games are Portland, LA, Atlanta, Wizards, and Utah. According to in the Glass, the Jazz are up to the third best offense in the NBA. That's just remarkable. Milwaukee is six. Teams that can't score right now, Charlotte, Indiana, Memphis. Memphis has lost eight of 10 and are openly discussing how much they miss Stephen Adams. Miami. They've had a hard time scoring all year. Bam Adebayo was unbelievable in the late game against the Knicks. Some of their late game looks stuff looks better without Kyle Lowry. New Orleans is not able to score. And then Houston and Minnesota is 24th there, though. They've won 7 of 10. Your number one defensive team in the NBA over the last 10, and we've been talking about this for a while on the show, is now the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I, I told you, we saw it a few weeks ago. They started using Rudy correctly. They look better. They look different. And they're the number one defensive team in the league. Phoenix is 2, Boston is 3, Chicago is 4, Milwaukee is 5. And Cleveland's back up to 6. Teams that can't defend right now are San Antonio, Portland, New York, Atlanta, Houston, and then Dallas. And I don't think Dallas got better defensively with Kyrie. Best teams in the NBA over the last 10 games. Milwaukee has clicked in. They've won 9 of 10. They have an 8 differential. Cleveland's 5-5, five and five, but with a 7 differential. Oklahoma City's got a 6 differential. Minnesota is 4th. That's not great for our draft pick. Clippers are fifth. So to my saying they don't look right, I'm up in the night statistically. I'm just telling you what I can see. And Boston. Teams are really scuffling are San Antonio, Indiana, Houston, Memphis, Charlotte, and Detroit. Okay, let's go to the last two weeks. No blowout time. That changes it a little bit. A lot of the same. But sometimes this gives you a more micro trend of kind of what we're going to see in the next two weeks next. That's why we do it this way uh, of what the trends are. It's pretty incredible that the Jazz offense is third best in the NBA. That's just really stunning. All right, Portland is number one offense in the NBA with a 130 rating over the last two weeks. Dame is just an incredible... see what they do at the trade deadline and try to help him. Oklahoma City is three. Brooklyn... Or two. Brooklyn was three. Utah's four. Fourth best offense in the NBA over the last two weeks. Just continues. Toronto is fifth. Washington, six. Interesting to see Washington there. Teams that can't score recently. Charlotte, Houston, Memphis, Sacramento, Boston. That's new. That's worth keeping an eye on. Number one point differential in the NBA, but not scoring right now, and Miami. Lakers are in there as well, right around that point, by the way. Um, a little surprising in the sense that they have Anthony Davis back. Uh, Minnesota's the number one defense in the NBA over the last uh, two weeks, as they are over the last 10 games. Milwaukee, Cleveland, Phoenix, Chicago, and Boston. Teams not defending San Antonio, Portland, Brooklyn, Detroit, Houston, and Atlanta. Interesting Atlanta there. There's so much athleticism, so much talent. Uh, Finally, the hottest team over the last two weeks is the Clippers. I I knew what I was doing here. So statistically, the Clippers look better than anyone else in the NBA, and visually they don't. Uh, Orlando, Washington, Toronto, and Minnesota's fifth. Phoenix is sixth. Teams are really scuffling recently. Memphis has the worst differential of any team in the NBA over the last two weeks. Eye-opening. San Antonio, Philadelphia is the third worst, which is eye-opening also because they kicked a game last night against New York. They should have never lost. Brooklyn and Sacramento. Sacramento, offense has went from an absolute juggernaut. De'Aaron Fox has been out to 27th in the league over the last two weeks. That one is worth keeping an eye on also. Who is good in the West? Seriously, maybe that's why you got to make the Kyrie deal. Who's good in the West? Denver. Like, Denver. Denver doesn't play Jokic and, and Murray, and they get killed. Okay, fine. But the Warriors, Steph Curry's out for a long time. They're going to, that's that route now looks like, to me, like, the Warriors if were my favorite before Steph got hurt. Steph getting hurt, that route's now just hard. They might have to do it from a play-in game, and then this, and then that, and, like, it's a lot. Um, And Andrew Wiggins doesn't seem to have come back quite right. Is Denver just the un like the only favorite, the only team in the West we actually think is legitimate right now? It's why I think the Lakers have to go all in here. I'm watching the Lakers; they look close to me, and there's just there's just not a lot in the West right now to stop you from getting to the NBA Finals. Like if I'm the Lakers, I am wishing, you know, I don't know if they really had Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, and Malik Beasley or whatever that package was for Russell Westbrook that was rumored sure feels like if they'd made that trade in the offseason, they would have given up two first-round draft picks. The Jazz would have had a ton of picks. Probably not been very good this year if you take those three players off the team. Two of them them already went away. So you wouldn't have had Kelly Olenek. You wouldn't have Mike Conley. You wouldn't have Malik Beasley if that was actually the package. But boy, it sure feels like if the Lakers had made that deal, they'd be the best in the West right now. Who knows? Uh, Feels like it, though. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today. Jazz and a shorthanded Mavericks team. Trade deadline is Thursday. We play Wednesday against, who do we play? Minnesota. Oh, that's fun. The number one defensive team in the league. Playing well. All right. That is Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for being a part of the group. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.